glad you're here. The Lord is glad you're here. And if you are one of our guests, we hope you will stick around after services. Let us get to know you and you get to know us just a bit better. Good. Grab your Bible. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And we want to read verse, verses 15 through 23, the concluding verses of Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Hear now the word of the true and living God. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let us pray. Yes, Lord, we want to know the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need your help to do that. We need you to open the eyes of our hearts, to enlighten the eyes of our minds, so that we can grasp the immeasurable greatness of your power. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. When you purchase something, you get a receipt. You go to the store and you buy something, they give you a receipt. It used to be all you got was paper receipt. Now you have the option, we can text it to you, we can email it to you. You get a receipt to validate that you made a purchase. If there's any question about whether or not that particular thing is yours, whether you bought it or not, or not, or if something goes wrong with that particular thing, and you need to take it back and prove that you actually purchased it, you, you have the receipt that proves that you paid in full. Well, for a Christian, we have been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that He gave, that He shed on the cross. The payment for our salvation was made by Jesus Christ on the cross. On the cross, Jesus paid in full. And then early Sunday morning, the receipt for that purchase was given the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the receipt of his purchase. Jesus' resurrection is God's receipt for payment in full for us through the death of Jesus Christ. 
And so God raised Jesus from the dead, and that brings many blessings and benefits with it. What are those blessings and benefits? Well, I want to demonstrate for you from the Bible what those blessings and benefits were, but let's back up for just a moment and and define what it is we're talking about when we talk about the resurrection, what Scripture means when it points to the resurrection, even Christ's resurrection. There are two fundamental facts that need to be understood when it comes to resurrection, in particular, the resurrection of Christ. And that is this, number one, Christ was dead. He really did die on the cross. That's a historical fact, and it confounds all the other speculative theories about, well, he just kind of passed out, went unconscious, they wrapped the body, and in the coolness of the tomb, he was raised or, or revived back to consciousness. He was dead. He really did die on the cross. That's fact number one. Fact number two is he was seen alive after that. He was seen alive. After they saw him dead on the cross, they saw him days later alive again. Jesus talks about this during his earthly ministry. Come with me to John chapter 2 and verse 19. John chapter 2, this is on, uh, during the time of the Passover. Jesus is in the temple on the Passover, and this is what he says. Jesus answered them and said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He says this in response to their charge, their demand for a sign. What's the sign uh, that you're going to do what you're going to do? He says, you destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Well, the, the, the Jewish people that heard him say that were confused. They misunderstood. Verse 20, they said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? Just right over their head. They didn't understand. So John gives us the interpretation in verse 21. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. This demonstrates for us that Christ was raised bodily. It was his body that came back to life. Resurrection, biblically speaking, is a dead body coming back to life entirely, in, 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 whole, in its wholeness. Which, by the way, that I even have to mention this, just kind of demonstrates the, the folly that is out there. This is distinct from and negates any idea of zombification. A lot of people get it twisted because of The Walking Dead and all these shows and movies that are out there. Jesus didn't come back as a zombie looking to eat brains or anything like that. That's ridiculous. He came back whole. He came back full. He came back entirely as he was before he died. So he came back and was after uh, he was raised from the dead. He was raised entirely. This also puts to rest other fanciful speculation that you'll find in progressive Christianity and liberal Christianity that says that, well, it was a spiritual resurrection. It, it was just a spiritual resurrection. You know, when, when the Bible talks about Jesus being raised and going to the Father's right hand, it's, it's all a spiritual thing. Not according to Jesus. I will raise it up on the last day. The it there has to do with his body that his body, this wasn't a, a spiritual thing, it wasn't a symbolic thing, he really did come back from the dead. Let's build on this a little bit, shall we? Back up a, a page or two to the Gospel of Luke, 
chapter 24. Luke 24 begins with the empty tomb. It continues on with Jesus meeting a couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus. And now here he is, and he appears to his disciples in uh, verses 36 and following. And so let's read beginning in verse 38. Jesus, to his disciples, they're frightened. They are afraid. Verse 37 says they thought they saw a ghost, right? And so Jesus says in verse 38, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. So it was, the, the resurrection of Christ was bodily, it was a bodily resurrection, and it was the same body that that came back from the dead. The body that was laid in the tomb is the same body that was raised. I myself, touch me, he says, and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. We see, again, it was the same body. They were able to touch the nail marks. Uh, and, and certainly you can connect this with the end of John's gospel over in John chapter 20 with the account of Thomas. Doubting Thomas, as he's called, right? Uh, verse 24, uh, it was uh, Thomas who said uh, in verse 25, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And so when Thomas sees this, he answers, verse 28, he answered him, My Lord and my God. Now, in in the context of first century Jewish crowd here, which is what's going on, this, if it were not true, would be the most blasphemous statement that one Jew could say to another Jew. Thomas, speaking to Jesus, if it's not true, again, it's blasphemy, because they understood there's only one God. And so for Thomas to say to Jesus, and that's who he answers, he answered him, he says to Jesus, my Lord and my God, it is true, because they saw him dead And now they see him alive again. They see he's able to touch the nail marks, place his hand into his side. And so he is, Jesus Christ is Lord and God. God come in the flesh. Now notice the blessing, verse 29, and this is for us. Pay careful attention. He says, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is the beatitude of those who believe in what they can't see. That's where we are. And so Jesus, he, again, it was the same body that went into the tomb that that came out of the tomb. It is a little different, right? He showed up when the doors were all locked. Uh, Very, very interesting characteristics of this body. But again, that speaks to, it's it's the same body, but it's, it's different. And one of those differences is in Romans chapter 6 and verse 9. Come with me to Romans 6 and verse 9. You see, we know that what was sown in mortality is raised in immortality. What was sown perishable is raised imperishable. And we see here in Romans chapter 6 and verse 9, 
Paul writes here, he says, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. You see, Christ's body was raised to die no more. It was raised immortal. Christ will never die again. He lives forevermore. And the reason is because, verse the rest of the end of verse 9, death no longer has dominion over him. Death does not have dominion. It, it has no say over him. He's been raised from the dead, and this body... Christ's body was raised also in glory. Come with me to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to draw your attention to verse 21. After Christ was raised from the dead, he was with his disciples for 40 days, and then he ascended back to the Father's right hand. And we are told here, Let's read verse 20 as well. Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, from heaven, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, listen, to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. This body was raised, the body of Christ was raised a glorious body. Now, it didn't happen immediately. He wasn't walking through the streets of Jerusalem or out to, uh, the, the, uh, to, to Galilee. He, he wasn't walking around glowing or anything like that. But now that he's gone back to the Father's right hand, that body that was raised now is in all of its glory. This is why later on in the Revelation, in chapter 1, when John has this vision of the exalted Christ, he sees him and he's just, it's impressive. Eyes blazing like fire, burnished bronze, all this. Just a, a brilliant, glorious body that Christ has now. As he's exalted to the Father's right hand, that his lowly body, because he was made in every aspect like we are, that lowly body is now glorious. And that is the grounds, did you catch it? For our transformation. Christ will transform our lowly bodies with all the scars and all the the sickness and disease and you know our bodies give out and all this stuff all of that's going to go away and we'll have a glorious body that's just like his glorious body it's all right with me too sister i hear you that is right i can't wait for it to be transformed like his now these are these are the facts christ he was dead now he was seen again alive, and that it was a bodily resurrection, and now he has this glorious body. So what was the power that was behind Christ's resurrection? What kind of power is necessary to raise a body from the dead? Well, the power behind the resurrection is none other than the power of the triune God. The resurrection of the Son of God was a was a Trinitarian activity. That is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all involved in raising Jesus from the dead. We read earlier from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. Go take a look at that again, and, and I want you to notice in verse 17 that what's under discussion is God our Father. That it is the, the Father of glory 
that he may give you spirit of wisdom, have eyes to, that are enlightened in, in all this. But then notice, as he's talking about the Father of glory, verse 19, it's the Father of glory who is able to make us know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You see, the Father of glory is the one who raised Christ from the dead. In other words, God the Father is the same one who raised His Son from the dead. The Father was involved. It was His power that was at work in raising God the Son from the dead. But then also, the Son is involved in His resurrection. You know, we read earlier from chapter 2, in verse 19, where Jesus says, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up again. And John tells us he was talking about his body. In other words, Jesus is saying, I will raise my body from the dead. Make this connection also to later on in John chapter 10 and verse 18, where Jesus is discussing here about how he's the good shepherd and his sheep hear his voice and know his voice. And right here in the midst of it, in verse 18, John 10 and verse 18, he says about his life. Back up, let's get verse 17, get the context. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay my li- down my life that I may take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He has authority to do that, you see. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge, I ha- charge I've received from my Father. In other words, Jesus is saying here that the Father has given His Son authority to lay down His life, but also to take it up again. That is, He has the authority of His resurrection. The power in back of the, the resurrection of Jesus is none other than the power of the Son of God, God the Son. And so the Father has given authority to the Son, whereby He is raised from the dead. And let's not forget, again, the Holy Spirit. It's unfortunate sometimes He is the forgotten God, as Francis Chan has uh, said in the title to one of his books. But the Spirit, His power is at work in raising Jesus from the dead as well. Come with me to Romans chapter 1 and verse 4. Romans chapter 1. Paul here is, is giving the opening greetings, which sometimes we have a tendency to read right through, and, and we miss a lot because these, these uh, opening introductory paragraphs are often very rich with theological insight, and that's the case here. Because in verse 4, talking about, uh, again, Christ Jesus, Romans 1, 4, He was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice the connection here between Christ being raised from the dead and it is in power according to the Spirit. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit's power that is at work in the resurrection of Jesus. A similar thing is said later on in in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Here Paul writes, he says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies 
through His Spirit who dwells in you. You see, that same Spirit that was at work in raising Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit through whom we get new life. And so it is, again, the power of the Holy Spirit. Or we can say it this way. It is the Father through the Spirit who raises the Son. That the Spirit is present in the resurrection of Jesus. Again, I want to impress upon you our faith is Trinitarian in nature, and it is the triune God who is involved in raising Jesus from the dead. This is the power that is at work in raising Jesus from the dead, and it is the same power that is at work in, number one, our conversion in granting us new spiritual life. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But also, it is the same power that is at work when we ourselves will be raised from the dead at the end of time. All those in Christ Jesus will be raised by the Father through the Spirit to eternal life. So let's talk about those benefits and blessings of Christ's resurrection. That was all introductory material. Now let's get into the meat of the sermon. Yeah. You're in Romans. Turn back a page or two to, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We know this text, right? This is our text about baptism and being buried with Christ. I want to draw your focus here to this first benefit of Christ's resurrection, the first blessing in verse 4. Romans 6 verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Did you catch this? First benefit here has to do with the Father. I know we want to jump right to our benefits and blessings, but the first, the, the first marvelous effect of the resurrection is that the Father is glorified. The Father is glorified in raising Jesus from the dead. That Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Jesus' singular mission in all of his life was to glorify his Father in heaven. Everything he did in, in coming and being born of the virgin, in living a sinless life, in being obedient even to the point of death on the cross, and also in being raised from the dead. All of it was to glorify the Father. The Father is glorified when Jesus is raised from the dead. And indeed, it, it could also be read this way, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, through the Father's glory, and even to the Father's glory, Jesus is raised from the dead. You see, in the resurrection of Christ, God is demonstrating, He's putting on display all of His glorious attributes. Too many to name now, but how about this? How about, about the wisdom of God? How about the, the justice of God? How about His holiness is on display? How about His power? All of this on display when He raises Jesus from the dead. In this way, the Father is glorifying Himself through the Son and in raising His Son. Of course, we see here the connection to our own burial and union with Christ. 
You see, there is this time-bending aspect where when Christ is raised from the dead and when we are baptized and raised to this newness of life, there's this, this again, time-bending aspect where we are in union with Christ in all of that. And just as the Father is glorified when He raises His Son from the dead, so also the Father is glorified when we are raised to live new spiritual life. And all of that happens in our baptism. We are buried with Him, united with Him, and raised. And again, all this in all this, the Father is glorified. There's no wonder, at the end of time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here in Romans, back up to chapter 1 again in verse 4. And we read it earlier, but our emphasis was, was on the power of the Spirit in the resurrection of the Son. The verse opened up with how Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power. You see, another blessing, another benefit, has to do with God the Son. And it is this, that God the Son was vindicated. He was vindicated. He was declared to be the Son of God. In other words, the resurrection was the supreme proof that Jesus was and is exactly who He claimed to be. That He was the Son of God, powerfully demonstrated in His resurrection. That He is Lord of all, demonstrated that he, in, in that He was raised from the dead. That He is even God in the flesh, proven by being raised from the dead. The resurrection of the Son is also the vindication of His identity. We can go further. You see, the resurrection of Jesus proves that He fully accomplished the work that had been given to Him by His Father. Nothing else was lacking. He fully fulfilled the Father's will in His resurrection. You see, He had promised during His life and ministry, multiple times, He had promised that the Son of Man would be raised from the dead. On the third day, He would rise from the dead. He spoke in, as a prophet when He would make these declarations. He was prophesying. And therefore, as a prophet, He was making these proph uh, prophecies and even promises. And then He was demonstrated to be a true prophet. And that that prophecy... He would rise again on the third day, was fulfilled. It came to pass. And so by fulfilling His word, the Son is vindicated. It demonstrates His identity and demonstrates that the work given to Him was fully accomplished. The Father is glorified. The Son is vindicated. You're in Romans, turn to chapter 5. And we will see... That for us, there are many and several blessings and benefits. And we'll put them all under the, um, uh, the umbrella, the banner of our salvation. That the Christian is saved. Here we are in Romans 5. Notice verse 10. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. There's your cross. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. 
And notice, let's, let's read this carefully. You have the death of, of his son. You have the death of Christ first. And then it is followed by how we are saved by his life. And I believe that is intentional because Paul is pointing us to the reality of reconciled by his death is followed by sa- salvation by his life. It's his resurrected life that we are saved by. That he, he is raised to, again, live forevermore, nevermore to die. And that is the life that is in view here, and that is the life by which we are saved. It is Christ's resurrection life that follows his death on the cross. And so, he can save to the uttermost because he's a risen and living Savior. Our salvation is tied directly to the resurrection of Jesus. Now back up several verses to the end of chapter 4. Here in Romans chapter 4, and notice verse 25. Again, all under the umbrella of, of, of our salvation. But one aspect of this, we've already seen reconciliation. We've been made friends again with God. But now notice verse 25, that Jesus, our Lord, was delivered up for our trespasses. And the delivered up there has to do with the cross, right? Our, tres- our trespasses, our sins are laid upon him on the cross, and so he was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. There's your resurrection. And notice the connection Paul makes. It's for our justification. Justification is courtroom language. If reconciliation is, is friendship language, we're made friends again through the death of Jesus. Justification is, again, courtroom language. It, it has to do with being in the divine court. And you, because of your sin, you stand guilty. But our sin is taken by another. It's not credited to our account. And that's because it is credited to the account of Christ when he died. More than that, he was raised so that we might be declared justified. We might be declared righteous. And even innocent of the crimes that we had committed. But it's because Christ was raised from the dead. That secures forever our right standing in the courtroom of God. And also, I've, I've talked about this before, don't forget, the judge is also your father. The advocate who came to your defense, when you had no case to plead, pleads his own case, and that's your brother, your elder brother, Jesus, God the Son. And the one who is called to the stand is none other than your helper, the Holy Spirit. You see how the triune God has conspired to your advantage in the divine court, raised for our justification. Keep your finger there in Romans chapter 6. We're going to come back to that. But I just want you to take a peek with me at 1 Peter chapter 1. Because again, here's, here's another benefit that is ours because of the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, he is to be blessed. He is to be praised for who he is and what he's done. But notice this. According to his great mercy, he has caused us, that is God the Father has caused us to be born again to a living hope through, that is by means of, 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you hear it? You see, just as God raised Christ from the dead and exerted His mighty power in doing that, He has also exerted His resurrection power on behalf of His people, His children, to give us new spiritual life. He caused us to be born again to a living hope. And He did it by means of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, that new spiritual life, the big word for it is regeneration, is ours because God raised Jesus from the dead. That in raising Christ from the dead, God secured all the blessings and benefits needed in order to raise spiritually dead people back to life. And indeed, He's done it. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. But now God has made us alive together with Christ Jesus. One more. Kept your finger there in Romans 6, right? Go back to Romans chapter 6. Flowing out of verse 4 comes verse 5. And we see one more future blessing and benefit, which is ours because Christ has been raised from the dead. Verse 5, 4. If we have been united with him in a death like his. And what was that? He's already talked about baptism. How, how, uh, how we are united with Christ when we are baptized. And since that's the case, you've been united with Christ. You have union with Christ. We shall certainly, no doubt a doubt it, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. We shall certainly be united with him, with Christ in a resurrection like His. We shall, and it points to the future, our future, when uh, that, that same power that was at work to bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life, again, powerfully worked when we're baptized. Again, that, that same power is at work to raise us from the dead one day. One day, the dead in Christ will rise. And because of our union with Christ, it's not a resurrection to condemnation. It's a resurrection to life, even life eternal. And so the, the future prospect of our resurrection is rooted in, you hear it, it's rooted in Christ's resurrection. Again, all of these blessings and benefits have been secured by God when He raised Jesus from the dead. And now, in our conversion, and now, in our future resurrection from the dead, uh, that is ours, again, because of what God has done in Christ. This is the power of God on display in Christ's resurrection. He raised Him from the dead bodily. It was the triune God at work powerfully demonstrating His power in the resurrection of the dead. And now we see the glory of the Father, the declaration and vindication of the Son, and all of our blessings related to our salvation achieved and accomplished in raising Jesus from the dead. So we do proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. 
Christ will come again. Let's commit this to prayer. We are, we are impressed, Father, by your glorious power that you worked in raising Christ from the dead, that you have worked in our lives in raising us to new spiritual life in Christ Jesus, and the power that you will put on display yet again when Christ comes back and we are raised from the dead ourselves. When our lowly bodies are transformed to be like his glorious body, Lord, we pray that you would hasten that day. But in the meantime, may we live our lives in accordance with your will by all of the power that is ours in Christ Jesus. Help us to live in light of the resurrection of Christ and in light of our union with his death and resurrection as well. We pray all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen.